Hey everybody, welcome back to Gray Malkin Lane's newest Patreon episode. I am so beyond honored to read be rejoined by my friend uh, Clay McLeod. Er, oh my god, I did it again. Clay McLeod Chapman. I I'm No, 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 you were right the first time. It was McLeod. McLeod. I want to I want to <laughs> say McLeod and then my brain goes, "No, you're wrong." <laughs> no, that's amazing. It's it's totally fine. McLeod. Clay McLeod. Well, I will happily take McLeod. You know, I will just call you Mr. Chapman. How's that? <laughs> just call me Clay. Miss Miss Chapman, if you're nasty. <laughs> Jetta Jackson reference. Every oh, every so often. It's it's McLeod. McLeod, if you're nasty. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. I am alive. I am healthy. Everybody within my immediate proximity is alive and healthy. So I think. You know, you can't ask for more than that these days. Can you, you you can ask for so much more, you just can't expect it. <laughs> Please, where's that boat? Where's the yacht? There is a uh, a drag queen out there, whoever, whenever she's asked, how are you? She says, I'm blessed and highly favored, which is uh, one of my favorite responses. Uh, you've been a busy man this fall. Uh, book tours and new things coming out. How's it been? It's been great. I mean, I, I just wrapped up book tour. So this feels very, uh, all of a sudden, like very quiet, like very much like, you know, like, hello, is anyone out there? Like, you know, like it's, I, I was really lucky that I got to spend kind of two months on the road, kind of traveling back and forth. Um, but yeah, I, I loved it. I have a new book out called Ghost Eaters and it's a spooky book about a haunted drug. So if you pop a pill, you can see ghosts, you can see the dead. And um, yeah, it was such a blast. I, I loved it. I, you know, I got to <laughs> spread the word as it were. Most of my leisure reading is done in prep work for this podcast uh, now because I'm always interviewing writers and, and authors. Yeah. Uh, I have, I can literally show you, I have a ghost eaters in my stack to my right uh, and have not read it uh, yet. Uh, Apologies. I... I believe it, but that you're 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 spoiling me, man. Thank you. <laughs> I I well, I adore your writing. I'm a huge fan of yours, as you know. Uh, so you guys may know Clay from his various work at Marvel. There's been lots of Carnage work. Uh, we featured him on the podcast in our <laughs> legendary episode about Blastar, which is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god who I indelibly associate with uh with clay now um we uh when, when I when I'm doing this channel uh, or or these episodes I I wanted to feature ancillary x-men characters so the more obscure mutants that don't get the trials on my podcast that we do uh I with a specific focus on characters who appear in the 60s books uh but who we won't really see back in the books. so when I was talking to Clay about different character ideas, we tossed about a, uh, a several different characters, but we landed on uh, Scarecrow. What made you? What made you choose this particular character, my friend? Oh my God! I mean, I, I'll I'll admit, and you know, in in kind of doing the kind of the interneting and and the digging around, like there was a moment where when you're when you asked, you're like, oh, what about Scarecrow? And I was like, well, wait a minute. I thought this was. I thought we were talking about Marvel here. Like, why are we? Why are we hopping to DC? <laughs> and like, I'm. I mean, it's just. It's kind of astounding the kind of parallel characters of Scarecrow and Scarecrow. And it was like it. it I, I was very curious up front, and you know, I, I I feel like 
you know, we should definitely talk about this later, but just the, the kind of notion of who, who this, this character, this villain kind of started off as in the sixties and who they kind of eventually evolved into in the nineties. And oh my God, like it, 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 it just kind of, it's stupefying, like how, you know, by, 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 um, you know the 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 90s run all of a sudden it, you know it's it's just a complete facelift and like utterly terrifying terrifying really um, truly yeah it scares the, the living bejesus out of me and i will i will claim i think i like this scarecrow better than the uh that other scarecrow over there on that other side of the fence my favorite scarecrow is Wizard of Oz scarecrow. He's cute. <laughs> this guy, this guy, this poor, you know, little what is it, Ebenezer? He's a uh, he is not he's not cute. <laughs> so the uh the, I mean we'll we'll kind of jump in here. The spoiler here and I will I will launch in quickly. Our scarecrow starts out it's one of the Marvel original villains 1963 as a circus contortionist who dresses as a scarecrow and uses trained birds to commit crimes <laughs> and later he turns into like a child murdering hell spawn who sucks your life out and is like an undead warrior with a pitchfork and hellfire and it's quite the transformation <laughs> quite the evolution this guy is this fella has has gone through but uh yeah he starts off so kind of like or do like, like very much like I want to be a bank robber. Like, oh, I'm gonna steal this costume and I'm gonna get some crows and let's get Iron Man. <laughs> um, I would argue that the Jonathan Crane Scarecrow, who's the Batman villain, is more well known. Obviously, uh, he's been in the movies. He's the guy that like sucks fear out of you and like gives you fear and makes you afraid. This character has some parallels. I suppose my first question for you is why are people so frightened of scarecrows in the first place? These are these like stuffed men that they put on poles to ward off birds in cornfields, but there's something so scary about them. I I mean, for me personally, you know, the, the kind of fallback goes to this early eighties made for TV movie called dark night of the scarecrow. Ooh, I'm unfamiliar. Oh my God, you have to find it. You can find it. They've released it on DVD. It's streaming, like it is out there. Uh, I think it's actually on Shudder, as a matter of fact, uh, this streaming service for, for horror. Um, it is it is utterly astounding. Who, oh my God, I'm blanking on the actor's name, but um, Larry Drake, Larry Drake, who okay. you may remember from... LA Law, you may remember him from Darkman, but I, I remember him initially from Dark Knight of the Scarecrow, which is single-handedly the most terrifying uh, Scarecrow horror movie ever committed to Sullywood. I'm just going to call it. It is the scariest Scarecrow movie ever made. Okay. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I mean, to your question, like, why, why are Scarecrows so scary? They're they're like these inanimate automatons. They're like they're just like they're these like large puppets and they're not supposed to move. And you're walking down the kind of dirt road and you see one and all of a sudden you're just like you're convinced that they're going to move. You're convinced that they're alive. You're convinced that they're they're there's someone inside that that kind of stuffed straw 
you know, uh, uniform or clothes or whatever, whatever it is, those overalls. Um, and you, I, I, I think it kind of gets to that kind of uncanny valley notion of, you know, when you look at something that it, at, at first glance is not alive, but looks human and isn't human, but feels like it's, 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 it's just that it's like one step removed from being real. And you just, you believe, you know, if you kind of turn away from the corner of your eye, you're going to see it move. Like it's still like, there's still something to it that, that makes it feel like it's, it's there. <laughs> we are afraid of things that are parodies of life often. Doll, dolls, skeletons, zombies, all these humanoid things that are less than human. And when you picture the man under the mask with the eye holes cut out and the, the body stuff, with, there, there's something very creepy about that, particularly when they're carrying a pitchfork. <laughs> oh but this scarecrow, I mean, I mean, it's astounding, like how he really commits to the bit. By the 90s, he he's he's all in. Like he's like he's talking about the fear inside and you're all full of full of struggle. <laughs> so, like... so this guy starts out uh, Tales of Suspense 51. It's December 1963 and it's a Stanley Don Heck story called Face to Face with the Sinister Scarecrow, which sounds frightening, but it's not scary. There's a man in this baggy green clothes. He's got straw poking out. He's wearing a burlap mask with eye holes. He's robbing a bank. He's a little scary, but it's kind of a silly battle. Iron Man stops the thief during this live performance of a guy named Uncanny Umberto, which is the stage name for Ebenezer Lofton, who is the guy that becomes the scarecrow. Uh, he's a contortionist. He's an escape artist. He can twist himself into any shape. And he's like, huh, I should become a criminal. This sounds amazing. Like, who can stop me? I'll be the star of the underworld, is one of his quotes. So he he steals a scarecrow, scarecrow costume, and then he steals some trained crows from a guy in his show named Thornton. <laughs> he's apparently built a relationship with these crows. They, like, already trust him. He spent some time, like, training them how to rob, and then they end up robbing Tony Stark's apartment randomly. And there's, like, a little battle with Iron Man, and he steals some money, and then he, like, fucking flees to Cuba to sell weapons plans that he's got. And like, this is a pretty shocking plot for the 60s, actually. And then Iron Man defeats him and like throws him in the ocean. And then when he gets back to shore, he's like, I'll have my revenge. It's it's a, it's a kind of a silly, <laughs> ridiculous origin. Tell me your thoughts on this initial appearance of his. I mean, yes, it is absolutely silly. It's, it's one of those kind of like villains by convenience where it's like, of all the, like he's walking by a costume shop and he's like, oh, I'm going to steal the scarecrow costume like he could have he could have gone in any direction but like for some reason like like they don't go into the kind of psychology of like that that's the costume i want to pick like what you know it wasn't like there was like a wizard of oz sale or or something but um but i it, it just seems so kind of oddly convenient thank that, god uh, thank god he didn't find the dorothy gale costume <laughs> I mean, it would be a whole different character arc. Can you imagine? <laughs> We're not in Kansas anymore. A man in a gingham Kansas. dress. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do love, I mean, I love the crow. I mean, I do think the kind of like the, the real kind of standouts for this kind of beginning, like the, the origin of this, this character is that he trains these crows and, and they like, they have this like, you know, like there's all, they're, like there are these moments where he, 
like the scarecrow kind of jumps out the window and like lands on the street and everyone's like wow he really he he just jumped out that window really well like that how did he do that and you he kind of talks about how the crows his train crows basically kind of like counter his weight and kind of like like gracefully kind of drop him down and i just i just think that in of itself is amazing like a beginning of like this this kind of bond this symbiotic bond between uh you know ebenezer and and these these lovely little like this team of crows contortionist but also scarecrow but also the crows are not scared because they <laughs> because they just want to work with him anyway. Yeah. Uh, he has He's only faced off against the X-Men or mutants a couple of times, but one of them, and this is the tie-in for the 60s books, is we get this great story with Count Nefaria recruiting a team of villains in X-Men 2223. We've got Plant Man, Porcupine, Eel, and Unicorn. And I've covered Unicorn and Porcupine on these Patreon channels in great uh, episodes with Daryl Lawrence and with Josh Trujillo. We'll get to Plant Man and Eel sometime, I promise, listeners. But he, uh, he shows up where Count Neferia has this big plot to extort billions of dollars from uh, from Washington, D.C. because he puts a shield over it. And ultimately, of course, they are trounced and they fight the X-Men and blah, blah, blah. The funniest part of this, and this is where we got to talk about people's fear of birds, too. He starts using his birds in combat, like which is a recurring theme for him. He wants the, the crows to peck people in the heads. There's a line where he yells to them. Uh, think of all the bird seed your share of the loot will buy alfred hitchcock has nothing on the scarecrow and that's kind of the only notable thing for this guy in there except you know he fights the x-men uh why are people so afraid of birds clay it's <laughs> <laughs> a good question they they i mean it's those glassy black eyes like they're they're totally thinking it, it's the same thing with cats i think cats and birds kind of share a similar kind of trait where like you you don't you don't want to believe there's something going on, but there's totally, there's like an agenda behind there. And like, I, I'll chalk it up to Hitchcock, Hitchcock um, you know, for giving me my fear of birds. But it does, it does beg one to kind of ask the question, like, you know, as scary as the scarecrow is, like, as far as the, the kind of, you know, the, the job of, of, you know, the mission statement of the scarecrow, he's totally whiffing it he's failing because these crows like <laughs> like like the, just the the sheer notion of like who's who's his henchmen it's just a bunch of crows um and you know you know whether that gives him any kind of existential dread or kind of a crisis of conscience or of like character i don't know but like just the idea of like you know who's 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 got the scarecrows back crows He's, he's got to be sitting around going, my friends are Plant Man and the Eel and the Porcupine. Like, there's something wrong with this. This man is clearly insane. <laughs> uh, when I was 12, my parents divorced and we moved across the country. And we, we rented this house. There's this giant pine tree in the front yard. And there was a blackbird that built a nest in this tree. And when I would leave for school in the morning, once those eggs hatched, the blackbird would dive bomb us. It would fly out of the tree and like scrape the top of our heads with its talons. Like, and I later, years, years later, saw the birds, which is kind of the theme. These birds will like kill you and peck your eyes out there. Uh, someone eventually came over and like killed this bird because it was being super aggressive with people, which I felt bad about. And I had more nightmares about the bird having died. I'm a vegetarian. I, I, like, I want to protect everything. But I, uh, when I was reading the stories, I thought of like this bird that used to peck us <laughs> out of yeah. the tree. <laughs> I mean, I always think of like, 
there's that notion of like, you can't, if you see a bird, like a baby bird, a freshly, like a, a hatchling, don't, don't go near it. Don't, you know, don't touch it. Don't, you know, don't, don't expose yourself to it because mama bird will, will see and be like, I, you're like, you're, you're already, you're dead to me. I can't, I can't rescue you. I can't protect you. Like you're, you've already been kind of imprinted with, with this other. So, and therefore you're not, you're not savable, salvageable. I, and I have to laugh at the phrase, if you see a baby bird, don't expose yourself to it, which makes it sound like <laughs> you're showing it your genitals. <laughs> be, 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 that, that is an infant. That is a new one. That is a... <laughs> I mean, quite quite on point for our scarecrow as a child kidnapper, but you know. Oh goodness! I, it's just... I, uh, back when I used to write the handbook profiles, uh, and there was always a mystery villain. I would always type this phrase like, "Eventually, Baron Zemo revealed himself," and my editor would always be like, "Stop using the phrase revealed himself. It's really not okay." <laughs> All will be revealed. Uh, so the Scarecrow is kind of background for a while. He joins a group called the Crime Wave and fights Captain America. And it's not until 1983 in Captain America 280 where he gets scary. J.M. Demetrius, who I've interviewed on the podcast, I'm a huge, enormous fan. Uh, I hope to get him back for a Patreon episode uh, someday. We're chatting about it. He's amazing. Uh, he loves to give his villains backstory. He loves to give them... Uh, you know, this is the guy that does Craven the Hunter's Last Stand, right? Like, he he wants to give you psychology behind his villains. He writes this amazing story in Captain America 280 called The Sermon of the Straw. Uh, Clay, tell us about this story. It's uh, it's really powerful, and it's where we get these hints into this guy's insane trauma background. Oh, my God. It. I mean, it's just so funny because he's got such a, like, you know, uh, chip on his shoulder when it comes to Captain America all of a sudden. And because of this appearance, yeah. <laughs> like I just want to like it's it you know it, it for me it was just like he's got this like crush on Captain America and he just wants to like you know basically like hunt him down and 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 kind of duke it out and like this this goes on for for quite a while right like several yeah. issues like it, it's just like like get get over Captain America man like you're it feels, you're... It feels like it lasts about fifteen years this obsession. <laughs> It's unhealthy, this obsession. And, you know, like thinking of what is it that this, this kind of group of, of advert, like these, these kind of like do good advertisers are like trying to like use Captain America's image to, to kind of like speak of like Americans for America or, you know, some, some like they're, they're kind of creating these, these jingoisms and, you know, kind of catchphrases and, Captain America kind of barges into their office and basically says, tear down all of these posters, all these adverts. Like I'm, you know, you can't use my likeness for your, whatever your and agenda is. Amer Captain America is for all Americans. And, you know, meanwhile, like it's just getting under the scarecrow's crawl. Like he's just totally like, you know, completely like, you know, jonesing for, for a fight with, with Captain. And I, you know, it, it, it blows my mind because like it all boils down to, you know, I I appreciate what you're saying about uh psychology, but the the this this to me was probably one of the more confusing issues because whatever kind of backstory or history or psychology the scarecrow is given ultimately ends up being a lie. I mean, can yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. you know well, I don't want to 
Howard Mackey's the one that gives us kind of the backstory. In Cap 280, it's when Scarecrow's gone from being a bank robber uh, and like a common criminal to like a crazy murderer. He's like strung a woman up in the park like a scarecrow. He's, oh he's starting to it's kill like people. a slab of beef. Yeah, it yeah. says like it was. I mean, and like he could, I could, he has his moment where he's like, "Tra la la, we're off to kill some ninnies." And <laughs> <laughs> it's like he's clearly gone off the deep end. Um, well, and he he said he's he says he here he spent a year in solitary confinement and it drove him insane. But I mean, he's been nuts the whole time. But yeah. he he also starts to bring out things about he has a, a dad that was a preacher that used to beat him when he was a kid. Uh, it seems like he maybe suffered brain damage, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, he well, like takes over. Brother, he like right? well, and he like takes over a TV station and wants to kill people on live television. And Cap just kicks his ass, of course, because what else are you gonna do with this insane guy? But uh, but yeah, he's, he's <laughs> but no, but no, it's that moment at the end where like Captain America is giving him like a big beatdown, and and he like re like Scarecrow reverts to some like very kind of nascent like 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 infant state of like don't you know like, he's like don't hit me again daddy please daddy dearest oh my god he calls him daddy dearest and you're just saying to yourself whoa what what has happened here um but then but then the kind of further reveal is that he you know scarecrow has brought in his brother and the the two of them kind of share this this kind of turgid family history where dad apparently allegedly would throw scarecrow uh, Ebenezer into the um closet and beat beat his brother and and but then <laughs> once once captain america kind of wins um the brother basically says no 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 it's all i mean spoiler alert but like it's all a lie like it's all like none of that actually happened, which is a little surprising. Um, and it's I almost I, and, and I see people do this from trauma. Sometimes you go through one type of trauma because we're going to get more into his childhood in a minute. We, we go through one type of trauma and we create a version of events that more closely suits what we uh, what we wanted to have happened or what makes sense to us. And we have this like way of burying memories or rewriting history. I see people do this in therapy sometimes when you've been through something significant. But this man is clearly, if I was writing up a diagnostic summary, he's clearly like schizophrenic and PTSD and antisocial personality disorder. And, and yeah. uh, like he's hearing major, par like paranoid schizophrenia is clearly uh, on his radar. He's, he's, he's nuts. <laughs> yeah. After a year in solitary confinement, he has his enlightening moment, his moment of enlightenment, and he he's a bank robber no more, and he's 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 killing killing people, and uh, yeah, he's just got it out for Captain America. And then we and then we jump to 1990, where Howard Mackey gets his hands on him, and oh, <laughs> this is where I mean he's scary by J.M. Mateus. for 1983. This is a scary villain, especially in a Captain America comic, but. By 1990, he is like fully mad in an institution. He's like sitting around, like wondering what the insides of people look like. And when he escapes, he begins killing victims and stuffing them with straw. And then he starts kidnapping children. He kills a mother and a baby who are like out on a walk. And Ghost Rider gets involved. And there's a there's a 
pitchfork and scarecrow ends up impaled uh like but he he survived well he's i think he kind of dies but these bad guys like take him off his pitchfork and drag him away and we'll learn what happens uh a little while later but it's a it's it's another amping up of intensity he's now fully a horror character by this point and this is maybe where i fell in love with scarecrow i think uh <laughs> when he murdered the baby that's when you loved him <laughs> no i mean it is i think i mean we do need to kind of take a moment and acknowledge that it is a beautiful kind of panel breakdown where you it, it was it was for me it was one of those moments i was reading it and basically the scarecrow was like i mean this like the whole beginning of the 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 comic, the storyline is basically him just being like, where's Captain America? Why is he not answering my calls? Like, why is he not? Like, he's he's just so obsessed. And he's like, I've he's been so leaving. horny for Cap. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's leaving him messages, which apparently is, you know, disemboweled Brooklyn residents kind of suspended from lampposts or telephone poles and stuffing them with straw. Ugh. And you just say to yourself, that's intense. That's intense. And then and then you get to a mother pushing her baby in a stroller down this like dark alleyway in Brooklyn in the 90s. And and you know, Scarecrow's basically like, oh, I'm I'm gonna leave another message for for Captain America. And and I think maybe this was my morality coming in, but I was like, clearly they're not going to go there. They're not going to do it. Like Ghost, you know, Ghost Rider, Captain America, somebody's going to show up and I'm going to flip the page and all is going to be good. But then you flip the page and it's it's basically like like later, however long later, and it's the crime scene and there's like a chalk outline drawing on the pavement blood splattered sidewalk and it's like the outline of mom and this this like outline of a baby and you just say to yourself oh my god the things they did in marvel comics in the 90s are insane and this and is it, before they could do like rated m for mature kind of stuff so they're hinting at horror without taking it too far you got to like read between the lines they won't show the baby getting murdered they show the oh chunk my God. Outline later. i mean if this is if this is reading between the lines the lines are so blood splattered and so i mean like there could be no <laughs> like as soon as you see that baby chalk outline you just say to yourself oh oh we are we're playing for keeps now, Mr. Scarecrow. This is I uh... I love talking about this with a noted horror writer. I think it's fascinating. Uh, I I go to the psychology because that's my training. I go to the psychology and the continuity, but you're going for like the horror and the way that this is portrayed. I think it's fascinating to hear the way your brain works on this. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. Well, I I mean I think you know to your point, like the 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 horror and the psychology of the character kind of go hand in hand, like. You know, I, I I appreciate the kind of the earlier Captain America issue, uh, but I feel like it, it in in my mind I get a little grumpy with it because I feel like it 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 kind of undermines the the depth of its own psychology. Where here now now that we're in this kind of Ghost Rider world, um, it I I feel like it starts to kind of ground itself 
in its psychology. And I feel like now we're kind of cooking with gas and actually kind of exploring this character for all of its, all of his, you know, terrifying dimensions. Um, and I, and I, and I feel like it, it the character clicks now. I, yeah. you know, it, it becomes, you know, you, you can kind of see the, the real kind of root of who this character will exist and, it, I don't know. It's just the kind of fully realized version of the scarecrow. This um, guy, this guy is like Jeffrey Dahmer, or you know, some of these other noted people who will torture and kill for whatever intrepid motivation. He is obsessed with Captain America, but he also seems to want to torture the innocent. He wants attention. He's stringing people up, stuffing them with straw, leaving them on display. Uh, I mean, serial killers can have these obsessive routines. He's he's a very frightening on a psychological level at the same time. Yeah. Uh, when when you look at this guy, what are his motivations or what is it that kind of fascinates you about him when we reach this point? I mean, his his motivation is Captain America. He wants <laughs> like like like, you know, he is driven by the sole need to uh, get get cap and. uh you know, Ghost Rider kind of intervenes and there's this kind of dance between the two of them where like, you know, like the kind of singularity of, of Scarecrow's purpose is just so kind of like, ah, like, I don't, I don't want to deal with you, Ghost Rider. Like, just go away. Like, let me, let me find Captain America. And I, and I can appreciate that. Um, but I, and I think that like, you know, as, as far as, you know, we, we're still kind of, tracking like where this character wants to go and who he wants to be and i think almost like the the kind of birth and rebirth of the character in this issue and the following kind of appearance that he makes um and i and i think maybe this is this is because i personally read all of these issues back to back yeah, so yeah. It, it, you, you kind of read it as a, a kind of maybe not fluid arc but more of a kind of like herky-jerky like i I love assembling the continuity of the character in my mind. And when you take one character like this and you read things that they're, they're published years apart, but you have a, a, a through line of one character. I love piecing these things together. That's why I love doing these episodes so much. Oh my God. So his, why, Oh, go ahead. That? You're great. Oh, I was just going to say, which is why when you get to, I mean, in this issue, it's like page 22 uh, or, or it, it's at the end of the comic. And it's basically like, you know, Scarecrow has been impaled by his own pitchfork, and 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 it's like the first time you've actually seen him die. Like it, it's like this character is now dead, and uh, he's taken away. He's whisked off. like he's like pulled off of his own pitch impaled pitchfork, and uh, is is kind of being shepherded to his next kind of phase of being. And I just I. I really honestly like I, I was kind of gobsmacked at uh, the artwork of the, that page with like the three panels of like, you know, he, he's in silhouette and he's like you see his kind of arc body, yeah, yeah. you know, basically folded backwards with the tines of his pitchfork, you know, pro poking out. And then and then slowly he's he's lifted off and carried away. And it's just, you just and you just picture the sound effects being like, oh, <laughs> uh, my God, it's it's like. You know, sometimes you just find a page or a panel in a comic and it just kind of takes your breath away. And I will admit, like, that I found this one. There are a lot of panels in this one. Like, you mentioned the kind of first one where he's kind of, like, wearing the mask in his um, his cell. Um, but something about, like, this one really 
the the the, the kind of being pulled off of the the pitchfork just kind of it it just oh, I love it. Mark love uh, it. Mark Texier draws a very different scarecrow than Don Heck did. <laughs> very very true. But now he's this undead guy, and there's a group called the Firm. They're they're kind of some ancillary ghostwriter villains. We really don't need to delve into the Firm at all. But they brought him back. That's that's basically all you need to know. Uh, his next appearance is Captain America Ghost Rider, or I think it's Ghost Rider Captain America Fear Number One, and this is also Howard Mackey. And we delve into a lot of his background. They go into his past now, where we learn what really question mark happened. He has an alcoholic mother and. Let me tell you, we see a lot of supervillains with stories with abusive fathers. So even this storyline of a mother being the one that does the abuse is, is a little jarring. But he's got this alcoholic mother who is like very cruel to him. And Ebenezer blamed his father when they divorced. Uh, the firm put him through this like painful procedure and they gave him some enhancements. He can now control ravens. He now has enhanced strength and he now has pheromones that can pay make people around him afraid. So he's much more like the Batman scarecrow now because he can inspire fear in people around them, around him. And he seems to kind of feed off of that fear. So in this story, he starts killing people. He kills a cop. Uh, and then he takes Ghost Rider's ally, Stacy Dolan, captive and binds her up in his apartment. And uh, Ghost Rider uh, ends up attacking with Captain America. They free Dolan. Uh, Scarecrow gets shot. He jumps out a window and gets again impaled on a fence, which is his lot in life now is to be impaled and then to come back from the dead. Uh, tell me about this issue. What did you like about the uh, Ghost Rider Captain America fear storyline? I mean, I, I I think it's just it's just so heartwarming to see a character kind of come into their own, you know? <laughs> that like there is this this sense of like all of a sudden. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I find it really personally exciting how you can have a character who started decades ago. And, you know, it's basically like, you know, I'm a I'm a baddie and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to thwart that Iron Man or, you know, I'm coming for you, Captain America. Um, but like the, the kind of genetic makeup, the DNA of who that character is over time and over issues and over the years, like it it does evolve into something maybe more, more than what its origins kind of had in mind. And <laughs> I don't know, like we're still kind of like one or two, like one issue away from like where I think we reached the kind of like the real terrifying summit of like who this, who like what, what makes this character so terrifying to me, but like the map point here, the kind of like the, the, the kind of, the 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 pin in the map or on this this trek is that you know the the firm i don't know much about the firm to be honest but like they they're complete asses because they basically like gave you know they they basically thought that they could kind of use the scarecrow as some kind of monstrous baddie that they could like a weapon that they could kind of pull out from storage and use whenever they wanted to. So giving him super strength, giving him the kind of pheromones, giving him the, the kind of ability to, uh, you know, what is it with, you know, it, like spread a pheromone that induces fear in anyone who's within a 20 foot radius and then have him be able to kind of feed off of that fear absorb that fear and make him stronger like like 
you 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 have that moment where you say this is the thought this is the plan that you guys had like the fir like really firm like this is this is what you wanted to do stern like you know like like who's the brain the brainiac who was like you know what we should give we should give that scarecrow some uh, fear pheromones like we should uh we should have him uh you know let's give him some super strength and control the control the crows the the firm is organized by a slightly better known villain called Centurius. They appear nine times in Howard Mackey's stories between ninety and ninety three. Basically, they're trying to get Ghost Rider. They want to weaponize him, and so they're using Scarecrow as their tool to do that. They're forgettable. Scarecrow is not, <laughs> but I I enjoy I, I adore this character. Starts like stringing up corpses, and you're like, I love seeing him come into his own. <laughs> But this is this 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 particular issue should be such a happy storyline because it's the first time it feels like it's the first time that Scarecrow actually gets to hang out with Captain America. It's like it's like, hey, Captain, <laughs> you know, like they finally, back. I love you. <laughs> they finally have their moment together. Um but awful not, you know. But now Ghost Rider fucking hates this guy too. So when uh, we get another very scary interpretation in Ghost Rider Annual 2 by Warren Ellis. And this is where we really delve into the crazy trauma. We learn Ebenezer like murdered or tortured animals when he was a kid, which is a very serial killer thing, serial killer thing to do. We know his mother was awful. She says things to him like, I should have aborted you or I should have tossed you as a, in the river as a baby. She like breaks his fingers and his connection to contortionism is explored as a way of escaping his abuse. He'd have to pull away from his mother and use this like body contortion in order to survive the abuse from her. So uh, th this issue also gives us more strung up corpses in the basement, which has now become his like MO. Uh, and the 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 attack or the fight between Ghost Rider and Scarecrow in this one is jarring. Ghost Rider snaps his limbs and uh, like leaves him like kind of a broken mess uh, as he's rescuing the villains. So again, we're fully in the horror genre at this point. Uh, what are your thoughts on this annual? Uh, the, the psychology behind his trauma is jarring. I loved this issue. <laughs> it's good. It's like, good. Warren it, Ellis is amazing. Yeah. This, this one, like, like this is the one that I feel like it it this is this is now scarecrow this is what this is the this is the kind of like we have reached kind of fully realized idealized version of 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 this character and i and i love it and i and if i'm being totally honest the thing that like i i was on for the ride like you know you're you're ticking the boxes of like animal mutilation um uh abusive parents uh you know like all these things that that we've seen done a million times before yeah, yeah. and i and i feel like if it had been just kind of left at that i would be like ah, you know feels familiar um and and a little well tread but then you get to this 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 kind of concept of what he what scarecrow does in his home which i found genuinely terrifying that this idea that he you know because he lives off of other people's fear and he induces that fear at the same time that like by by essentially wallpapering his house with living and dead bodies um he creates this this kind of echo chamber of Oof. fear i mean i 
I don't think I've ever read anything like that before. Like it's like it's like a truly novel, disgusting, like terrifying concept of like, hey, I exude uh, fear, uh, fear pheromones. Uh, so I should uh, basically insulate my house with living people so that they could be afraid of me all the time. That's and so be... creepy. <laughs> so creepy. And like, you know, having the moment where Ghost Rider kind of, you know, shuffles into this house and basically, you know, the lights turn on and he's like, oh, the walls are covered with people. <laughs> and and Scarecrow's like, you know, you 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 made it to my house and now now I'm a. Uh, what does he call it? The gift of fear bringing like yeah, that, right. that to me is just such a, uh, like I like kudos to to Ellis on that one. Well, that and one. there are many ways to write ghostwriter stories or frankly, venom and carnage stories, which you're very familiar with. And one of them is these are demonic kind of almost evil creatures, but they tend to act in a heroic manner in a lot of their stories because they're fighting off worse evils a ghostwriter is literally a demon who drains your pain, right? Like takes your sin uh, and, and leaves you like a crazy husk of whatever because of his judgment. But uh, when we find scarier people who are drawing on your fear and decorating their houses with corpse wallpaper, it's uh, it gives you the ability to root for ghostwriter and be like, yay, the evil guy defeated the more evil guy. There's right. also this thing about serial killers. And weirdly, I've read up several on several biographies about serial killers. I once made a documentary about a hate crime and I had to interview uh, these men who committed this awful, awful, horrible murder. It's it's called Dog Valley. You can watch it. I'm in it. Uh, I had to sit with these killers and interview them and their families as part of this. Um, and often they will take mementos. They uh, they pride themselves on collecting certain things. Uh, we see we see men like uh, like Gacy who had this uh, kind of honorarium of his victims buried in the basement under his house, or Dahmer who kept heads in his fridge. I mean, there's the psychology of people like this we get fascinated by, and when we put it in comic book form and we add uh, the supernatural to it, it's 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 frightening and jarring in a less scary way because it's pretend, right? But it's uh, it's really frightening in real life. I mean, he this scare. It's funny how like how much of this character is kind of just drifting in the periphery, where like a police officer will be talking and be like, you know, there have been child abductions, serial murders, uh, you, you, like bodies in 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 the park. Like it, it's scarecrow keeps busy, and and <laughs> like it is insane how like you know. If Captain America doesn't hurry up or Ghost Rider doesn't hurry up, like this guy, you get the sense that this guy, like he's just like it waiting. And basically like every interior monologue kind of starts off like, I keep leaving messages for Captain America. Like, why isn't he, why isn't he answering my calls? And it, if just left to his own devices, I feel like Scarecrow would, I mean, I don't know. Like I live in Brooklyn and he like his mo seems to be like sticking around Brooklyn. Like he's a this guy's a Brooklyn boy. He's and hanging I, around the corner. And <laughs> like, I mean, I'm I'm going there. I'm going on record as saying that like I I am very like I will look differently. You know, the next time I see a scarecrow in <laughs> in my neighborhood. <laughs> So when we lean into, we, we start leaning into his insanity. And this is sometimes people will be critical about Batman villains in particular, because a lot of them are commentaries on mental illness. And yeah. like they teach people to be afraid of mental illness. I mean, but we have to have insanity in some of our villains in order to make them work. 
But his next several appearances are really leaning hard into this insanity, the insane killer. Ghost Rider 63 through 65, we learn he uh, he had his limbs repaired without anesthetic at a prison called the Black Hole. Uh, he broke free. He gets his pitchfork and his costume back. Uh, he Ghost Rider beats him with a single punch after all this buildup. And then we get a really another really beautiful issue, the Ghost Rider Crossroads, number one, also by Howard Mackey. He's wandering around the desert. He wants to get his pitchfork wet. He calls his pitchfork his trusty Rusty now. Uh, he's got a name for it. Uh, and then Blackheart, who's like the son of Mephisto, like the literal devil himself, uh, takes him to hell to fight the two ghostwriters, John Blaze and Dan Ketch. Uh, there's a competition. And in the end, Scarecrow is trapped in hell where he remains in his next appearance, which is Ghost Rider Volume 3, 81 through 86. Uh, he is sent as a spirit to possess uh, Dan Ketch's sister, Barbara. And in this corpse, he's like taunting people. There's a heart in a box. He's got like flocks of birds or like murders of crows in the sky. Sky. Uh, he's still got his trusty Rusty. There's a big chaotic battle that involves like the demon Lilith and Dr. Voodoo. And he is sent back to hell and then later like restored to life. So I'm kind of summing up a bunch of continuity all at once. But at this point, this guy's been through it. He's not only undead and insane, he's like been trapped in hell for a while now. <laughs> Like sent back to Earth a couple times. He's a ghost. He's nuts. <laughs> Any thoughts on this section of his life? Um, kudos to him, man. Um, <laughs> I like. I honestly like. You know. You know to kind of get to your larger point of of like how comic books and 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 you know Marvel tends to use psychology as a way to kind of like uh ground you know root these characters in, in something kind of malevolent and i will say it's probably i mean i'm maybe i'm wrong but i feel like you know there are fewer villains out there who seem to have gone through as much as scarecrow like i i think he's like He's reaching kind of Job-like proportions now where like, you know, what what more do you want to put this guy through before he, like, where where are we going with him? Like, But also fewer villains who have deserved it more. <laughs> yes, yes. But it, um, yeah, I mean, like, just thinking of the, like, just that arc, that, that kind of trajectory of, like, some guy kind of like, you know, oh, I looked, I saw that bank robber and he did it wrong. Like, maybe if I put on this, this scarecrow costume... I can uh I can steal <laughs> these these plans from Tony Stark and sell them to Castro um to then be this like demon spawn you know fear monger you know child abductor like it's a it that's a long road to hoe there is a there's a long series of appearances where he kind of doesn't do anything substantial then he becomes one of those background villains who shows up in crowds of villains or on teams of villains uh, I'm not going to list all these appearances. You can look them up on the Marvel Wikiest site and kind of look them up. But he he fights the Falcon. He fights Spider-Man. He fights the Black Cat. Uh, there's a flashback in Untold Tales of Spider-Man to one of his earliest crimes. Uh, he teams up with the Will of the Wisp and the Molten, Molten Man. Nothing super substantial, except that he just keeps getting his ass kicked uh, again and again. And he likes to, like, kidnap kids sometimes. That's a that's all you kind of really need about this section of his continuity, and then we get this gorgeous. Why does he do it? Why does he kidnap? The, like the kidnapping of the kids is just this like kind of side 
project that he's got going on where it's like, you know, like, you know, when I'm not like looking for Captain America, you know, I like to abduct children every so often. There's a, I mean, there's a whole toy box of thousands of Marvel villains. And once in a while, you just pick the scary guy out and tell a story about him getting his ass kicked real quick. I, 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 I mostly enjoy about this character when people give him a lot of time and attention and we get to see how scary he is. So the next time that really happens is in the Fear Itself Wolverine series. This is written by Seth Peck. Uh, this one, he's scary again. He uh, he has crows that are murdering people. He describes himself as the king of fear, the death bringer, the Leviathan, Nairhotep risen. You have no idea how powerful I've become. I am a god. I am the death of hope. I am the lullaby for stillborn children and the bone dry rattle of dying breath. Let the streets run red in honor of my coronation. Let all who, and the Wolverine stabs him. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's nuts here he's fully feeding on the fear and has gone fully insane he ate too oh. much turkey <laughs> <laughs> that's some tryptophan fear right there for you um yeah you just never monologue just never monologue like that's the lesson these guys never learn right they should never monologue right before they get stabbed uh, he's also very frightening in a recent comic. Uh, this the the Marvel Infinity comics are the ones you kind of scroll through on your phone where they the the screen runs down down down. So all new Captain America, fear him was this digital comic by Dennis Hopeless, and he's murdering the homeless uh, rampantly, draining their fear, and it's pretty scary. He's down in the sewers. He fights uh, Sam Wilson, Captain America, who's the Falcon. Uh, he fights Ian Rogers, who's the nomad character, who's the son of Captain America. Uh, he has a uh, he has this creepy like cutout of his face that you have to go into to like enter his lair. And there's all these like scary kids. Like he captures kids and then turns them into monsters. This is the most like Batman scarecrow appearance of his, in my opinion. He's doing all this creepy fear gas stuff. Uh, it's 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 good. It's it's crazy storytelling, and he's like descending into the depths to commit his crimes. Uh, and then Immortal Hulk: Time of Monsters is his next kind of big scary appearance. Uh, tell us about this one, Clay. This is a good read. I mean, it's kind of like a "This Is Your Life" uh, one, where you know <laughs> Banner just kind of shuffles into a movie theater like this this like kind of like run downtown in the middle of nowhere um and who's the the ticket taker who's the usher but but scarecrow and he's like like scarecrow has basically been kind of like luring people in through what is it like mass hypnosis and like basically he's kind of contrived this scenario where the people who are in the movie theater uh are under his spell under like they're hypnotized and basically their worst fears are playing out on screen and that gives you know that basically allows the scarecrow to kind of binge um you know eat you know feast on the fears of of this audience and um he gets a little gluttonous and you know thinks you know he he makes a meal out of banner but but banner kind of turns he he transforms into the hulk and um you know more people are scared of the hulk than they are of what's whatever's playing on the screen and that leads to the tables turning and now scarecrow kind of sees what he's most afraid of on the on the big screen and it's it's a yeah it's it's a pretty good issue i liked it i didn't love it but i liked it i liked uh, it 
Well, and then it turns out he's afraid of fire at the end. He has to face his own fear of fire, which takes us back to the Wizard of Oz, where the Wicked Witch is, how about a little fire, Scarecrow? <laughs> that ties us into that uh, that classic film. Um, he also, we get a really good psychology exploration of him in a short story in Marvel Voices Identity, number one. He ends up fighting Braun, who's the Amadeus Cho character, and Silk. Uh, he's furious and he like wants a lot of attention and we get this kind of speech from him where he says no matter what I do I never get the attention that befits a villain I managed to turn all these people into bloodthirsty killers and the Avengers don't even bother showing up do you know what that feels like to never get any attention to feel invisible and then of course he gets his ass kicked again and he's been making people fight in the streets by manipulating their fears uh why does he need attention so bad you're murdering people all the time <laughs> i mean i think if we're if we're gonna play up the psychology i think it just goes i i will make the statement that i think it goes back to captain america if captain america just paid attention and gave him a little bit of of tlc uh we wouldn't be here now and i i <laughs> He just wants you know. one date, Steve. Just one. <laughs> he just wants one. Like, just like I, I, I feel for the guy, and I, and I know that like there's a lot of kind of mileage spent on his mother, and or or the alternate version of that being his father. Um, but like at the end of the day, like you have a character who has. Who, like, and I think you could say this about a lot of the kind of third, fourth string villains, where it's like they just want to be respected. <laughs> you know, like, and Scarecrow is basically laying waste to so many people in Brooklyn, disemboweling them, hanging them from lampposts. It's like, what do I got to do to get a little respect around here? I just want a little one on one Captain America time. He, and is, he is an undead fear-sucking demon of a villain who is insane and loves a theme. <laughs> he, he, he sticks with it. Like he, that's the thing. Like he, he's on point with the costume, the scarecrows, the pitchfork. Like he, like some villains like come and go and they just don't commit to the bit. Scarecrow, he commits. He commits. He keeps coming back. Uh, his most recent appearance is a short one. In Ghost Rider Vengeance Forever, Ben Percy gives us a whole bunch of Ghost Rider stories from different eras. And one of them is about Scarecrow. And he, uh, he's, tell us about this one, please. He's, he's great. He's, he's like hanging people up. Uh, what is it that he like hangs people up on, on like, uh, He's, he's like, yeah, They're, yeah. He makes them in scarecrows in a cornfield, in a cornfield, <laughs> and then he gets a combine. <laughs> That's um, you know, he's a uh, just the kind of ingenuity. Like it's like he sticks to the bit, but he just finds new ways of kind of going about it. Like uh, yeah, the idea of getting chopped up in a combine because you're trapped on a scarecrow stock is so scary. <laughs> Jeez, respect. I give him <laughs> I, props to you, Scarecrow. Stick you like a with. man who's consistent. Uh, <laughs> of course, Robbie Reyes, different Ghost Rider, kicks his ass. Uh, this this character has only appeared in two X-Men comics. There's that very early 60s one, and then he fights Wolverine in the one uh, during the Fear Itself story. He's mostly a Ghost Rider villain. He's also a Captain America villain. But he he kinda... wants to be a Captain America villain. Like that's the thing. Like, yeah, he is a Ghost Rider villain. But like, if you ask him, like, he'd be like, "No, no, no, I'm not a Ghost Rider. I'm a 
is the captain. He uh he is a character who feels a little bit redundant as well. I feel like we see the same type of story repeatedly. And I feel like the only way to tell something new with him is to kind of elevate him to a new status. Like oh, wow. uh, he takes a ward under his wing and trains him to be a scary killer. Or, oh, wow. and, I mean, this guy has no, no, uh, no relationships. He, <laughs> He's he got enough. He has just this this obsession in his life and his continual like getting his ass kicked over and over. There's clearly no redemption. This is not a character who's ever, excuse me, going to join the Thunderbolts. <laughs> like he... <Yeah. laughs> Can you imagine? Oh my god. Um, <laughs> though it, I will admit, you know, you know, Marvel, if you're listening, like the next time I get to pitch something, I I would I feel kind of tempted. Like I want to see, like, can I can I pitch a scarecrow story because it's just so he just goes and goes (laughs) like i don't know i want to i want to play in this sandbox it is it is not uncommon it doesn't happen every time but uh, about 50 percent of the time i record these patreon episodes i'll sit down the next day and write like a short story about the character that we delved into i just did an episode on squid boy with chuck austin and then sat down and wrote an eight page squid boy story because it's like in my brain i like want to do I, these stories will go nowhere because i'm not doing marvel active work but uh maybe one day we'll see, we'll see where it goes you have the treasure trove just waiting yeah, I, I adore these characters that I spent so much time researching. Uh, I won't ask you what your Scarecrow story would be, but boy, would I be the first in line to buy it, my friend. <laughs> Let me write it. Let me pitch it and write it. Oh my God. It would just be, it would just be so much fun. Fun. It, you know, like I, I, I feel like, you know, there's got to be something new to say with this character. What, you know. Maybe it is an acolyte. Maybe it is like, you know, passing the pitchfork down to the next generation. But uh, I almost yeah, I almost want to go back to the days of Uncanny Umberto and just, you know, so let's let's take him before he decided to be a supervillain and see what happens. <laughs> oh, my God. So amazing. <laughs> Clay Chapman, Clay McCloud Chapman, I think you are phenomenal. I am so honored to be your fan and your friend and to spend this time with you. Um, we're gonna pitch, or we're gonna release this the first week in December. Concurrently with on Grey Malkin Lane, we are releasing the trials of uh, Vanisher and Eunice the Untouchable around the same time, who are also villains that I adore. Uh, is where can people find you online? And uh, would you like to pitch anything that's coming out? What's uh, what do we have to look forward to if you're able to announce it? Um, well, there's Ghost Eaters. We talked about that novel, which is out and on bookshelves. Um, my next comic comic <clears throat> is uh, Creepshow. I got to write a, one of the issues for Skybound's Creepshow anthology series. That'll be Creepshow 5, uh, and I think it comes out January 23rd or 25th, 2023. So uh, that's just around the corner. Um, I do have some Marvel stuff kind of in the pipeline, but I can't talk about it yet. So I'll just have to wait a little bit, but, um, that's exciting. Um, so yeah, I'd say, you know, I'm on, I'm still on Twitter. If Twitter still exists by the time this, uh, this thing (laughs) airs, but, uh, yeah, Instagram, TikTok, (laughs) Facebook. I host a lot of podcasts. Uh, I, I record a lot of podcasts and I'm I'm so accustomed now to, if Twitter still exists, you can find me at, <laughs> I don't think yes. it's going anywhere, 
I think yeah. it's just going to become something that perhaps I don't love as much as I did, uh, yeah. which is kind of my relationship with Facebook these days, ever since Trump was elected. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I forgot to mention, I wore my, I wore this shirt just oh, for- Oh, your Poe shirt. My Poe shirt, my, my Raven shirt, just for, just for tonight. Do you want to hear a funny story quickly as we're wrapping up? I, yeah. uh, I, I, I used to be, before I came out, I was married to uh, my ex-wife and we have children together. Uh, she is a funny person. We're still friends. I, I love her very much. Uh, but she used to consistently, it took me about a year of hearing her say this. She loves Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven. And uh, whenever she needed to say, like, do you want to do something? And she wanted to say, like, never. What she would say is she'd go, cough the raven, never more. And it was about a year into our relationship where I was like, are you saying quoth, quoth the raven? And she'd say, no, I'm saying cough. Like C-A-W-T-H. It's like the Shakespearean version of caw, caw. And I was like, what? No, that's not, it's quoth. And so then we, it became this thing where I'd be like, mooth the cow and oink the pig. It was, it was a great, that's my favorite Edgar Allan Poe Raven story. Never more, never more. Quoth, 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 quoth the raven. Amazing. Uh, well, my friend, happy holidays. I uh, I am so grateful for your time and talents this evening. Thank you for making me love this character even more. I mean, you gotta love some child abducting, uh, you know, disemboweling, straw stuffing, undead, well, like, demonic. Combine, dr combine driving, murder crow commanding. <laughs> Using intestines as rope, you know, like he, he just, he goes everywhere. He's... I, I'm with you. I'm going to go grab my trusty Rusty right now. I don't even know what that means. That sounded dirty somehow. <laughs> Just don't expose yourself to any crows. Yes, yes. Or, yeah, particularly baby ones. <laughs> no baby crow. All right, Clay, thank you so much for your time, my friend. It's wonderful to see you. Uh, next Patreon episode, everybody, is going to be the character Brainchild with uh, Danny Lore, uh, who I'm so excited about. He's twisted in a lot of different ways. Uh, we'll see you back here next time. Thanks again, Clay. Bye.